0: Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle, medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins, and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned, we're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey everybody, Dr. David with you today. I'm here with Dr. Nick. How are you, man?
1: doing really well buddy we got our retreat coming up in in a week and uh just the inspiration is just everywhere right now and we're we're stoked you're coming with us buddy
0: i'm very excited man i'm excited for two things number one i'm going to baja for five days so that's not gonna definitely not gonna suck right and then i get oh, to geez. hang out with you man that's gonna be get good to hang out with you so it's gonna be fun man i'm looking forward to it so speaking of fun I'm really excited about today because I have one of my my mentors, my guides, this this individual that we're bringing on today. I've really been wanting to get him on the show, and I got to hang out with him a little bit a couple weeks ago at his homecoming. Um, Today we have Dr. John Brimhall joining us, and this is awesome, man. This guy has had a huge impact on where I'm at with why I am the doctor I am today. So I'm really excited to get in with him. Dr. John, thank you, man. This is huge. Thank you for joining us, man. So before we get started, Doc, do you mind if I just talk a little bit about you and and give your your bio and then you just share a story with us? Sound good? Sure. Awesome. So Dr... Dr. Brimhall is also known as the father of wellness and chiropractic, and he's been lecturing with some of the world's greatest advocates of health and wellness since the 70s. He graduated a cum laude doctorate in chiropractic from Palmer College of Chiropractic in 1971. He is also a best-selling author of Solving the Health Puzzle with the Six Steps to Wellness, which is actually what we're going to talk about today. Uh, He's an eloquent lecturer, researcher, consultant, patent holder of two chiropractic instruments, and nutritional supplement formulator of over one. 100 products, and many of those I still use to this day in my clinic because they're so powerful. Uh, Dr. Brimhall has pioneered the most advanced program for improving treatment outcomes being taught today. Uh, Doctors that are trained in the Brimhall protocol report tremendous improvements in their practice, healthier patients, uh, better profits, more confidence when faced with difficult cases. The Six Steps to Wellness program encompasses structural, electromagnetic, nutritional, allergies, insensitivities, and emotional issues, and toxicity. Dr. John, thank you, man.
2: You're welcome. I I, I think probably the place to start is what got me into all this, and I've I've got to go back uh, till I was about eight years old. Uh, My dad was a building contractor, and he took me out in the desert here in Arizona, where we built an office complex, actually for a chiropractor. He said, hey, our trencher broke. You're going to dig this by hand. I've marked it out. And when we're all through with this in 110 degrees, we're going to talk about you being a doctor. I said, What's a doctor? He says, You ask me that when you're finished. So I went out. I got blisters and almost a, a heat stroke and sweat and, and horrible things. And got his duck, a footing dug. And in the end, he told me what a doctor was. They worked inside an air conditioned building. They got to tell everybody else what to do. They got to help people get better. So I said, well, I don't know what a doctor is for sure. I'm going to be one. And interestingly enough, I had my sons, all three of my older sons work with my dad. They're all doctors, too. So it really works to make kids work hard, but go out and work. So I was going to be a dentist at that time. I was in my pre-professional work down at uh, ASU country down here in Arizona. And I'd been over one day and didn't get back up. And literally, I'd been in a car two years earlier. Uh, they took me to medical doctors, gave me pain pills, muscle relaxes. And I said, should I see a chiropractor." They said never see a chiropractor they can break their neck. I didn't want my neck broke, but at this time now I'm basically paralyzed from the waist down, a serious pain from the waist up. They're having to carry me from room to room, and now medically they're telling me they might have to explore it for a surgery. They weren't weren't sure, but thought I had a bulging disc. I was, this is the '60s now, 1967, and my cousin says you're gonna go see my chiropractor. And so he literally carried me to the office, laid me on the guy's table. He X-rayed me, talked to me about some innate something. I had no idea what he was talking about. And then he, he adjusts me, my first adjustment. And feeling came back in my legs and pain left from the waist up. Can't get sentimental here. And all of a sudden, I got my life back. And I walked out of the office. And he said, you're going to be a chiropractor. I said, no, no, I'm going to be a dentist. no, you're not. He says, you owe it to chiropractic do you manage what chiropractic just did for you. Well, I didn't know everything he was saying, but it kind of made sense to me. And the next thing you know, uh, we were off to Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa. And um, I, I had to get married, not for the normal reason, but I wrecked my other car. didn't have a way to go out, so I, I'd already proposed to my bride-to-be. We decided to get married then and go out together. I sold a beautiful Mustang, got a truck, and moved out to Iowa. But another chiropractor, upper cervical chiropractor, for a, birthday, for a wedding present, was going to adjust her for adjustment. And she'd had a headache for five years. She was in the car with me and a couple before. One adjustment her headaches. Man. I said, wow, I, I don't know what this choir practice is, but it, it makes miracles. And so we went out to school knowing nothing, but, but it, uh, it created miracles. And I was a good student. I, I would beat out a valedictorian spot by two hundredths of a point. So I studied hard, worked hard. We had no money. So she worked two week jobs, and I worked 40 hours a week as a guard so I could study on the job. And we graduated with honors, and we started a business out there. So we actually graduated making making more money than I made the first month in practice. So it was really an amazing journey for us. And we learned to work together, and we learned how chiropractic was wonderful. So we went back into practice, a little town of 5,000 people over Arizona in Arizona, Northland. And that's because that's where she and I were from. It's 30 miles away, a little town of 2,000 people. So we go there. And we start practice. My dad, being a contractor, built a new office. We, we worked with another doctor there. They'd been there for a while. And my practice just grew by leaps and bounds. Like it was amazing. I saw five patients the first day. My first week in practice just started off and started catapulting very rapidly. I'd been waiting for my light to get licensed, even though my office was full. And um, that's a whole other story. I got the hiccups for like three days. I was so worried about it. But later on, they told me I was putting sort of on the test. What's worried about? But you know what it's like? Those are starting, you're just getting out of school and you got to go and practice. But my first five patients I saw the first day actually came back in the next day and they brought family members with them. So my practice just grew like wildfire. And they referred me into a lady, and I'd never seen in clinic in school, a migraine before. But I examined her, I found out, oh, our atlas is out of place. This has got to be a, that's a top vertebra that, that ties our, our brain stem into the spine. And I adjusted that, and she got relief for the first time in 15 years. They had done a vagotomy, which means they cut the vagus nerve, and they have done a hysterectomy, thinking both of those problems might be the cause of migraines, they got zero results. One chiropractic adjustment, and her migraines went away. Well, here's what we've all learned, doctor Wordy. Uh, in practice, when you help somebody with a heart problem, they know everybody else with that heart problem, and they start referring them in. So all of a sudden. I'm getting all these migraine cases. And I hey, this is easy, man. God was kind to me. He brought me this easy case for about 15-year duration. Got well in one visit. So the next one that came in, I adjusted her, and and she didn't get that much better. I said, you're kidding me. Everybody gets better. What are you talking about? It's not much better. Well, it's not. I said, I don't understand that. Dr. Goodhart, who started applied kinesiology, which you and I both use, applied kinesiology, you're taught that there can be structural problems, like we're taught in chiropractic school but there's also going to be emotional stress and there can be chemistry at the top. I didn't know anything about emotions. I mean, I'm, I'm 24 years old, white male. What do they know about emotions <laughs> in 1971? Forget it. So I thought, this is nutrition. I'm going to look up in the book what's good for natural nutrition for migraines. So I give her that nutrition and adjust her for migraines to go away. I thought, whoa, I know. I've learned my lesson here. I'm going to find what nutrition people need and what structural care they need. So the third one comes in that they're referring to me. This one, I give the nutrition, I adjust her, and her migraines don't go away. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Well, that third one's emotions. What am I going to do? So, good heart said that there was a thing where you could have people think of the problem they had, and it's a lesson I've learned and I used for all 48 years of my practice. What was going on in your life when this problem started? And I asked her that, and she broke it in tears. I mean, I could feel it now. She starts sobbing and sobbing. I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this? We well, taught us the thing to do is when they feel the emotions that triggered, maybe the pain they're in, but dealt with this problem, all the muscles will go weak in the body. So I tested her, and yes, she went completely weak. Then there's a place on the forehead here we call the frontal eminence. And it's like a rudimentary uh, blood vascular system. And so you just have them hold that until the muscles go strong again. So I tested her muscle, went strong, and she quit crying. I said, well, cool, well, think about that again. She starts crying, but not as much, not as hard. You do it again, six times, up and back, up and back, until she goes strong. And I asked her to think about it, and she doesn't cry anymore. I said, wow. I said, how's your head a headache? She says, it's gone. So I thought, man, this is complicated. You have to adjust the spine, the extremities, even the organs if you're in trouble, the TMJ. Give them the right nutrition. Now you got to talk about emotions. Well, that's the way I, I got my start. And i would learned that you do have to ask all three of those questions. And as you know, we found out there's three more questions. Now with all the computers and cell phones, you have to test electromagnetics. Because if you using a cell phone all day long, or a computer, that may be sabotaging their health. If they have allergies and sensitivities, like gluten sensitivity or wheat sensitivity or anything else you can think of out there, like nightshades, potatoes, tomatoes, egg, there's all kinds of things we evaluate. And the other part is toxins oh my goodness people are eating crappy food they're being exposed to toxic air and people how do you get toxins do you eat breathe or swallow can give you toxins so that's where the six steps came in that we started evaluating all patients for structural nutritional emotional electromagnetic allergies and sensitivities and toxic poisons let me tell you about another real miracle case that just catapulted my practice I live close to the Navajo reservation, but uh, I just wrote a chapter in a book called Miracles. And as you know, we talk about mentoring in miracles doing the six steps because people don't just have one problem or one causation of a problem. You can have 10 people with migraines, they all could have a different verbal subluxation. They could have a female organ problem or a male organ problem. They could have emotional stress. They could have lead lead or mercury poisoning. You have to evaluate each individual person. So that's what we do. We evaluate all six steps. And within each one of those six steps, say like structure, well maybe the cranium's off. Maybe the TMJ's off. Maybe the lacrimal bones here can be off. Maybe the, the organs, the liver's stuck in place. And every organ has to move dimensionally all the time. And if people think, well, chiropractor's just crack bones. No, crack bones. We, we adjust ver- ver- and put them back into place. We adjust organ movement. We adjust energy fields. I'm a certified acupuncturist as well. What, what I've learned is the more you learn, the more you don't know because you realize there's so much to learn. You're you're that way too. You guys are always learning and and knowing more to help more people. But I had this lady that was brought into me out, on the reservation. The Navajo is called the White man Belagana. So this Belagana from the reservation brought one of his friends in that was paralyzed and in a wheelchair. And she was still bad. I mean, I'd never seen anything like this in my first year in practice. So I had them dangle her up in front of the x-ray tubes so like at least see her spine. I know they x-rayed her in the hospital and everything. But the strange part about this case was she could walk after the accident. She was helping other people. She was thrown out of the car. She came not help the other people who were cut and bleeding. But the longer it went on, the more paralyzed she became. And when they brought her into me that day, she was in a wheelchair, sitting in a hump. She couldn't speak, she couldn't talk, she lost all bladder and bowel control. And I'm supposed to do something with this, right? And so all I knew to do at this stage, this is before all six steps were invented, is I adjusted her. And I adjusted her. I got good articular practice. I got good release. And they said, what happened now? I said, I don't know. We have to let this innate I learned about, the energy field within the body, go to work. Instead, I'd say, equals MC squared. Energy equals the mass times the speed of light squared. That's what the whole universe is made up of. So we release the energy in our body. I had her come back in a few days, and she was speaking a mile a minute in Navajo. And then she actually started speaking to me in English. I thought, wow. She said, the bladder control and the bowel control came back that very night you were giving me my first adjustment. What is this stuff you do? Are you a white medicine man? I said, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so the next visit, she comes in. She's out of a wheelchair, and she's walking around, holding on to things. The next visit, she comes in. She's just getting better each time. And I was learned a real lesson. I remember a fifth visit she comes in and she brings her husband in. And I figure, you know, since I helped this Indian tribe so much, they probably give me a piece of reservation, census number, so I wouldn't have to pay taxes <laughs> I'd get my own little wigwam out there. But Theodore, her name was Ida. His name was Theodore, was not as impressed with me as I was. And he said uh, my headache my wife still gets headaches sometimes right here. I said, yeah, of course. I mean she was thrown on the ground, all over, and I said, "But she's walking, she's talking. Why don't we build back?" I said, "It's amazing, isn't it?" He says, "Still gets leg pain sometimes, right downhill. Fix it all today." <laughs> and I thought, first I start to get mad. Remember, I'm 24 years old, and I think, "What is this guy he's crazy?" And I started thinking of the philosophy. There's a there's a sign out there on the reservation that when the guys the all had and it says, when the white man came to the reservation, the buck, meaning the male Indian, hunt, fish, make babies. Woman, cook, clean, watch the sheep. White man going to improve on this? And so that's kind of his philosophy. She had been unable to tend the sheep since her accident. Now, he says she's just faking. She's just got a little leg pain and egg thing, fix it all the day. He's ready to go back to doing what he does and let her tend the sheep. But she was she was doing all best she could. But. She went out to get completely well, and I got re- referrals from all of the reservations. Apaches, Hopis, Tewas, Zunis, and Navajo. It was crazy. And the faith that these people had, I mean, they knew nothing about it, but they didn't know any negative either. So they just came to treat them, and they just got better one after another. In fact, what I learned was I had to be careful because one guy came in. He had diabetes since he since he's a young person, diabetes 1. And I adjust him, he says, do I go off my insulin now? I said, oh my gosh, no. He says, well, I'd have got out of a wheelchair for one visit. I said, yes, I know, but not everything responds that fast. You work with your medical doctor at the center and let them wean you off your insulin if you don't eat as much, but you don't go off anything without checking with them. So they just had blind faith that we can do anything and everything. All right, so ask me a question. What else so would I like
0: in- I want to go back here a little bit. So and Nick actually I'm sure you have questions. So let me let me let you answer your No, questions no, go ahead.
1: One. Go ahead. I'll I'll jump okay. in after, yeah.
0: So Doc, when I was in school, I graduated in 2007 and I remember hearing about you. I didn't know much about your technique that you were teaching back then. but I just remember hearing about it throughout school all the time. And people always talked about Brimhall, Brimhall, Brimhall. And I remember hearing about the cases that you would take on that you, I mean, the one, the ones you're describing, that's just a few. You've taken on tons of hard, hard difficult cases with people that are very, very sick and you've been very successful. But I remember hearing these things and thinking that's like another level. Like it was intimidating to me. Like I felt like, Oh, I'm just barely getting out of school. I'm barely learning how to push a bone. Like I just need to worry about that right now. But it was interesting when I got into practice and I started adjusting people, it was almost kind of like the way it worked for you. You start to actually just see that people just need more than just an adjustment, right? Like they need the nutrition. They need uh, to address the emotional piece, the toxicity piece, the nutrition piece. And it was very interesting because I think I was like two and a half years out of school. And that took me to your first conference that I went to where I started learning the six steps. But it was interesting when I when I finally found it, I was like, every Every Cairo, every doctor needs to be addressing the patient this way because this is how we're built. It's not just one thing. And we've got to be treating the whole person. And I, I got to say, man, like I look back now because I've been in practice, it's hard for me to think about this, but 13 years already. So it's going by quick. And I realize how much of a gift and blessing it was for me to come across your stuff and go to that conference and learn what I did from you at that time in my career. Because I believe that that was the defining piece of the puzzle for me to lead me where I'm at today and not just for my patients to help them on another level, but even for Clarissa with her struggle with her autoimmune stuff. So buddy, I can't thank you enough I'm sure you get this from everybody, but what you've brought to the world and the answers you've been able to give people is just nothing sort of amazing, man. I mean, it's, it's helped change so many people's lives in so many different ways. And thankful, 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 man. Thank you so much. Thank so, yeah, you. I guess that wasn't really a question, but I'm going That's back now because…
2: Question, let me pivot off that just a second. Yeah. There's a story that says the reason I'm so high is I'm standing on other people's shoulders. The, the people I followed around when I went in school was Dr. George Gerhardt, uh, uh, Desjarnette, Major Desjarnette, Gonstead. I go up to the Gonstead. Family. People like that. And they didn't hold what they had, they shared it. And so I learned incredible structural correction from J. Clay Thompson, the Thompson uh, drop piece. That was created when I was in school. And uh, kinesiology was just getting started, applied kinesiology. That, that's given us so much information. And of course, the major with cranial sacral and, and visceral manipulation, those kind of things. And then I studied John Epelacher, who was an osteopath, and he talks about cranial manipulation. As Jean Pierre Barre from France on visceral manipulation. So all of these people that have shared, I took all of that and I I gave it all out because that's how we put it in a, in a bundle where people could get it. Because not everybody's going to go to a weekend seminar every week. One time my wife said. When you finally get to think you know it? Oh, forget it. You're never going to think you know enough. But you should stay home with your kids once in a while. Maybe even your wife. But it was it was a, a dis-ease. It was like uh, the medical doctors that I worked with here, about a third of our referrals when I was a full-time practice from medical doctors and dentists, because we were able to help members of their family. And the more people you help, the more people they are to help, and the tougher the cases get. And it, I averaged up. Oh, about 15 years ago, how many doctors had somebody seen before they came to me? And the average at first few years was like 15. But the last, I saw one person that had been to 300 other doctors. I was the 301st doctor. I count them. I don't know. They gave me $300 tips. You don't usually get tips as a doctor, but he literally gave me a $300 cash tip. I wonder if I reported that. But it's just, it's so good that in, uh, the account that I had at the time when I moved down to Arizona, and that was kind of a story too. I practiced in Woodbrook, Arizona, for fifteen years, nineteen seventy-one to nineteen eighty-six, and we saw so many miracles. That's what we call our ministry in miracles. And we say, if you aren't having to stop and discuss the miracles you saw that day in practice, you're not doing the six steps right, because you can't just unlock a vault door and open up inside and see all the health and wellness is there and not have miracles. But it, it, we just learn to. Take each step and to evaluate that person and to give them the number they needed and a vault door is a really good explanation because if there's a vault door and it has six numbers you have to go to you say yeah but you go spin to the left and then you spin to the right and you stop by a number each way that's the way a vault works but in our case we have to do the same thing so if we adjust them and we give them nutrition that opens a door where now maybe you have some emotions you have to look at all six steps but you have to keep looking because the more you do, the more they open up to give you. The more emotions start coming out and seeing what's going on. So that's a that's a real major situation. But when I was in Hojrat, I saw Miracle, I can remember people were flying in. I mean, that's a one horse town, five thousand people, right? You say, well, after you saw the first few weeks, a lot of people. No, they came from everywhere, every, all the little towns, and they started coming up to phoenix. And I had a girl, an attorney's uh, attorney, I uh, helped him and his wife. He referred up a lady who was a severe, like PCOS. Okay, so she had a lot of, uh, of imbalance in her female hormones, blood sugar problems, chronic fatigue syndrome, all kinds of things. So we balanced her out, and she just got so much better. She came out of depression. So she referred her sister-in-law and her brother to come up and see us. And it's it's a three-hour drive, but it's a forty-five-minute flight in a two hundred Well, that's what he had. So he's on his way to fly up to see us. He got fogged in and hit the rim and was killed. His wife and he were both killed and left children at home without a father and a mother. And my wife says, when, when are you going to get it? You've created something far bigger than yourself. You can't hide up here in this little town anymore. So literally in, in 1986, we came down and we remodeled a, a clinic and then bought it out and expanded it. Where there was 20 of us working around the clock. There was three DCs a PhD, and all the other support personnel, health, where we were doing what we called programs of care. People would prepay a measly little $5,000 back in those days, and we gave about $20,000 worth of care. Adjuster, percussor, laser, craniosacral, visceral manipulation, detoxification, massage, craniosacral therapy, and just on and on. And these people came in, and we just unwound them. And you could really see the six steps at work. But you could see some people, gosh, structure was it. You adjusted the spine and miracles like the migraine lady, like the lady getting out of the wheelchair. The next person, they didn't do too well with that necessarily until you gave them nutrition because some of them were toxic, some of them had allergies. We're just doing it all together. It's like peeling the talk about. And people people are like, Theodore, fix it all today. That's just not the way it works sometimes. Well, if we've been alive 70, 73 years for me next birthday, but – I haven't waited until I couldn't walk after that first time to care I take care every day I do all six steps on myself and and now we even go deeper in the six steps now when we look at chemistry uh, we even do injections we we do uh, all types of things like stem cell precursors uh, we do dextrose therapy because you know we have an MD that works with this Dr. Mark Harris who is both an MD and an MD nature path and he has three PhDs, and he got all those by his 12th birthday, before his 12th birthday, so he's a genius, and he works with us on the nutrition that we create, and I both formulate for OHS, and now I formulate over 200 different nutritional products for different companies, and for myself, and so we just keep on peeling back the onion skin and look at people deeper and deeper and deeper, and what you'll find is, I mentioned earlier, the more people you help, the tougher the cases get as they send into you, so put you looking deeper, as you know, you you do that yourself, and you're constantly learning, and you, you do never figure it all out. There's so much going on out there.
0: Well, it's like you said: the more you start to learn, the more you realize you don't know what's going on, right?
2: I think if you find, if you think you know it, all you're in trouble. Yeah. Sometimes medical people that think that you know we can't find a problem to this, therefore it doesn't exist. And you know, twice the boards went out for my license. I never had a to play the chiropractic board but two medical boards had complaints turning about me, not because somebody didn't get better, but two, both of these people were told their condition was terminal, and they didn't die, and both said they came to me, therefore they wanted to take my license, for without a license. but what we do isn't medicine. What we do is health care, and they, they never found that we did anything wrong. We changed their diet, and we gave them adjustments, and we detoxified them, we did emotional release techniques, and there was nothing in there about anything to do with medicine. If they got well, it's just spontaneous permission, which is what healthcare really is. The, in, in chiropractic school, they told us the body needs no help. It just needs no interference. And what that means to, to the lay public out there is, hey, when the egg and the sperm got together, nobody had to give instructions. They got together and made an incredible <laughs> So, From, um, say, a drug... Like thalidomide, they wind up with maybe no arms or legs, things like that. Or even aspirin can make a change. When you and I studied embryology, we go, oh my gosh, how does anybody know? You see, all the things can go wrong. But Mother Nature, God, whoever built all this, has it all fit in perfectly. And as long as it has no interference, it can heal and repair. So when we get a migraine, what does that mean? It means there's interference. And the six interference is what well, we talk about. Structural interference, universal interference, spiritual interference. And so, gosh, maybe sometimes people get spiritual healings. Well, why not? God created the heavens and the earth. I think that's source to go back and learn new things. So I don't read anything except church books and, and health and healing books. I love the fishing up, but I don't even have time for that because there's so much literature out there to search. And unlike Mark. Mark remembers everything he read since he was three years old. I can forget anything I read even yesterday. And so I have to read, make notes, and you know, formulate right now while it's on my mind. But as you can see, it and I studied one time, uh, what makes us successful? As you know, there are hundreds, thousands of people who come to our class for the year, and I made a lot of money helping people. It had nothing to do about the money. I just help people, and they referred their friends in, and they paid a, you know, a nominal fee, but so many people got better. adds up to a lot of money. And somebody said, well, I don't get it. I learned your technique, and I adjust like you tell me, and I do this, and I do that, but my patients don't refer. So I said, well, what, what's the difference here? What happened? And I think, I think it, it's if you know that you know, and here's a saying I came up with, if you know that you know, And others know that, you know, it's all over, you know, because you (laughs) emanate that power. You draw upon the power of God in the universe because you know if you adjust that spine and you change the diet, you detoxify them and you release emotional tensions, they're going to get better. And if they don't, then you dig deeper I mean, and deeper and deeper until you can help that person. Maybe they have to change. And a lot of times people don't want to change. They want you to do it for them sometimes you have to look in the eyes. I've done all I can. Not that I know everything there is to know. I'm happy you refer free to somebody else to look at you. But you've got to look in the mirror. Do you love that person? And they say, I can't love that person. Look at them. They say, you can't give a love away if you don't love yourself. You can't give away what you don't have. So you learn that we are spiritual beings in a physical plane. We're not a physical person with well, the causal, spiritual, we're spiritual beings here in a physical experience. And we have to address the spirit, too, and love. And uh, some people say, you love everybody. I said, the answer has to be, yeah. Well, how can you love that person? Well, because I think God loves me, and I'm pretty unlovable. So I think whoever God is to you, and you know, even in the, in, the, in the 12-step program, it starts off with realizing you can't do everything yourself. You have to rely on a power greater than you and i will i'll admit it readily that <clears throat> i'll have a case sent into me i look at him and i go drop on my knees and i pray before i go over and talk to him maybe they're in wheelchair maybe they have cerebral palsy maybe they're in constant seizures they haven't come out of seizures and so I, I seek for spiritual guidance and i think we shouldn't be above that as physicians says physician heal thyself but Who's the real physician, great physician, God, whoever that is to you? And i that's my great source of power. Well, I've gone on for a while. What questions do you get?
0: <laughs> I'll let Nick uh, dig yeah. in here a little bit.
1: Oh, it's amazing. I love listening to uh, – to any doctor that, that's, that's inspiring such as you that, that lives from such a purposeful place and, and teaches from experience through teaching through the heart and understanding this greater wisdom that, that we all have access to. And it's a blessing what you're sharing today. And I can't help but think like, you know, you got put into such a challenging position at such a young age that, you know, that doctor was, you know, God, energy, whatever you want to say, was speaking through that doc to tell you that you've got a big mission to serve and no doubt that's that's a big reason why you do expect miracles is because you experienced it in your own body and so you know from personal experience just the power of that innate system i was hoping that you could kind of dive a little bit more into helping people understand interference because i know when people think of like the vitalism within the body uh there is some contradiction in you know the obviously the medical model even within chiropractic or naturopathic where everything is mechanistic and and not vitalistic and um, everything you're speaking to is this, uh, you know, your six steps and the holistic approach and looking at things from all different angles to help uh, remove that interference. And, and I think people get so attached to a diagnosis, a, de- a disease process, a medication, a quick fix, whatever that is, that they don't really understand that terminology of interference. Can, so can you just dive into interference a little bit more to, to help everyone really understand that uh, in greater detail?
2: You bet. A real easy way to look at it is to realize if you have water flowing, say here in Arizona, if we didn't have dams, we wouldn't have any water. You store it up and we let out a little bit at a time to come down and water the crops and the flush toilets and take baths down here. First place, you have to have a source. And I think source is God or whoever God is to you, some kind of universal. We know it's not politicians who keep the world working. We would have stopped a long time ago, right? So some <laughs> supreme being that doesn't have politics gets the sun up every morning, and then the moon falls. It's just incredible. What happens, it's just, if it's, you say, well, how do you prove there's a God? I said, well, how do you prove there's not? We didn't come from nothing. We came from something. And so whatever that something is, is pretty miraculous. And they give us our very breath. They give us sunshine. But what if you have blocked the sunshine out like in Alaska? Uh, let's say there's periods of the month where my, my dental son was in Alaska. And there's periods in part of Alaska. It's dark. What happens when it's dark like that? They get vitamin D deficient. People get panic attacks. They go into depression because the sun is blocked off. Well, you take extra vitamin D until the sun comes out again. Then there's times the sun never goes down. And you can be out hiking around and enjoying life for a long time. So you can just look at everything that we have has a source and it comes into us and we have to somehow take that source and like on the skin we convert it to vitamin d Taken orally we have to absorb it and send it to their structure the brain from above down inside out feeds us but maybe above down comes even higher like we're talking about from some supreme energy source and the sun brings us energy the full moon you feel different than on a quarter moon uh, people's periods get harder. Sometimes they flow more. Uh, the fish go up and spawn on a full moon. Everything in the universe is time, and everything is timing. In acupuncture, you have, you call it the 24-hour law. You can have sometimes people only get headaches at two o'clock in the afternoon. So we we know what the chart is. Being one and three, it's the liver, and three and five, it's the lung, etc. So we look at that. If they get the headache every day. At certain time, we look at which energy, where the energy is going At that time, what I learned to do is to realize this person is not a spine; they're not a drug deficiency degree. They are a whole human spiritual being. And like I said, we're we're spiritual beings. When you die, I mean, I've been around people and they die; they turn cold in seconds. It's unbelievable. The body still looks the same for a second, and then. It changes, they stiffen up, and the jaw distorts, and color is gone, the energy's gone. But I don't think the spirit died. It went somewhere. Well, that spirit, if it's so important, it's the difference between life and death. I say, one, no, you kill somebody, you cut their head off, you electrocute them. What do you separate the spirit from the body? Because they can't communicate in a body where the blood isn't flowing. So what we learn to do is to look at that spiritual being in the body and do everything we can to let the energy flow. That means good energy, good nutrition. So by proper nutrition, you create more energy. But crappy nutrition, you use one of these quick burgers. that not even meat anymore. One of our doctors took, a, I hate to say the word, but a Wendy's hamburger, and he, he wrapped it in the paper. It's still sitting there two years later. It's never broken down is still sitting there the paper degenerated but the burger is still sitting there it still looks like it did when we brought it in there and that goes for all the fast food places and at first we have so many digestive juices and so much energy as babies we can eat some of that crap and get away with it but as you get older it adds up of all that junk that's in the system you can't so everything we do should be enriched our spirit what does that mean that means i pray night and morning and all day long So, I think there's a higher source. I want that energy flowing into me. I eat food that's only live food, mostly, or good, high-quality food if it's grass-fed beef. I want to get through digestion. I want to get the best food I can. The nutrition that we recommend that Dr. Harris and I formulate, of course, called OHS, Optimum Health System. And we use only whole foods to make this nutrition in the amounts the literature says it needs to be in to get the physiological effect We study all the research, or structurally. What happens if you knock your head? Well, that can cause a concussion, but also can lock up the plates that move in the body, or you can on your face. Some people don't believe that, but that's not my problem. I can feel it, and I can feel where it's stuck, and I can release it, and people get better. We get miracles from that. Same with the organs. We know the heart. goes Love them. Love them. Love them. But the liver's moving three-dimensionally all the time, and so are the kidneys, and so is the liver. Everything is moving, and if it doesn't move, we use the percussor. And we free it up in there again we've added motion back in there motion is energy energy is life lack of motion is dis ease dis hyphen ease or sickness or ill health so to have an inferior interference would be to have a vertebra out of place it would be to have the cranium out of place it would be an infection that gives you scar scar tissue internally or surgery that cuts through lines of the fascia well, you, I, my first wife Unfortunately, we lost the cancer because the the government did atomic weapon after World War II, bathed her family in radiation for 11 years, and all of her genes were mutated. And even though we reversed the cancer, there were two medical mistakes that still took her. And I know about grief. I I didn't want to live, I didn't want to take another breath. So I had to regenerate, re -re exercise myself spiritually and mentally, even want to be alive without her because my every breath was firm. We started dating in high school at 16, got married just before we turned 21. She lived to be 60 years old. So my world shut down. That was an interference. I didn't want to live. I didn't care to live. I didn't want to go on without her. And to do that, I had to remove that nerve interference. I had to go back to God. I had to go back to the conspiracy. I had to go back to praying. I had to go right, maybe even yelling, whatever it took to release all that, that in there. So interference is structural interference chemistry bad chemistry from the wrong foods are not enough food it is like electromagnetic interference. Is using a computer What like it show you you check all the muscles and you're strong no matter what you check and you put your hand on a computer you go weak or put a cell phone you ear, you go weak uh, we, we measure energy all the time in medical work what about an EKG an EEG you measure the energy and if it's obvious so we have a problem what causes the heart Have an abnormal EKG, bad energy getting in, bad food, a subluxation, an acupuncture meridian imbalance, not enough air, bad air, too much air, uh, too many toxins, the kidneys not functioning well. So that's what I mean by interference and emotional interference or spiritual interference. My goodness, I'll tell you a crazy case I saw one time, and and I prayed to God that the more I could do to help people, would He please open the door and give me more energy, more more attunement to be able to help people so it got where i could see people and i could see energy bonds and i could touch them and i could feel an energy block, like a liver not moving or the kidneys can drop the uterus can drop i mean why do we get a big pot belly later on It's because our six-pack turns into a kid right and why does that happen in our belly well because we eat wrong, or maybe we eat too much beer or or not enough greens and vegetables and, and ask yourself this I think the devil made sugar, and God must make green vegetables. But the devil made it taste good, and God didn't make green broccoli. It doesn't taste as good. So just because it tastes good doesn't mean it's good for you, right? And, in fact, my motto is, if it tastes good, spit it out quick. It can't be good for you. And so I hate that, but it's true. So you've got to eat your veggies along with your sweets. But it's very important that we do everything we can to energize that body, to give it energy. And you do that, we give a lot of tools of doing that. We have bipolar, or multipolar magnets that are like north-south, north-south. Putting that energy field makes it stronger. Enzymes make your energy feel stronger. Whole food makes you stronger. Whole food nutrients make you stronger. Exercise and walking, running, deep breathing, meditating, all add energy. If you don't take a deep breath, how do you expect oxygen to get to the cells? Well, what if you have COPD? Well, how'd you get COPD? Maybe from smoking. And uh, maybe from not enough exercise, maybe from an infection. And like I said, from when they do surgeries, now I'll tell you one one quick miracle. There was a um, a man that was referred into me literally by my my bookkeeper in my office. It was your uncle, and nobody had been able to help him. He had horrible uh, pain in his back and in his neck, and his head would go like this, and it would lock over like intermittent tonic clonic intermittent uh, torticollis. It was horrible. And he came in, and I checked him over everywhere, and I adjusted him, and I did cranial sacral, and he just he wasn't better enough for my attitude. And I said, "Man, is there anything we've missed? Are there any scars you have on your body?" He said, "Oh yeah, I have a scar." I said, "Oh my gosh, my exam doctor missed that because I didn't have time." I did a quick consultation to rope them to do all the work. I go treat other people because I, would, like I said, I look three, or four months in advance, and then I would would dish off these different patients to so the people I had in my office that we were really good at craniosacral, really good at massage, really good at nutrition, and that's why we saw so many people. We got 50 to 70 new patients every month. That's a lot of people with a lot of problems. So you had to have a streamlined where you could help them the most. But this particular guy, I said, where's this scar? And he lifts up his shirt, and he had a scar right here where he had a lung problem, and they carved him open reached in there and did a repair on the lungs and so him back up so the lung condition was resolved but he never realized that's what caused this neck problem i said well how long after this happened did the neck problem start he said, i never thought about that he said you know you're right that happened about the same year so we did acupuncture and if you do injections you could shoot procaine in there and we shoot procaine not novocaine, because procaine balances the Slow down nervous system, the autonomic slow down part, not the sympathetic. All the other canes uh, stimulate sympathetic. So there's a whole bunch of stuff you got to know to do this. But this time I didn't have any, anybody in my office get do injection. So I just interlace the needle very carefully in the skin because the lungs are only about that far beneath there. You don't want to puncture the lungs. It's called spontaneous pneumothorax. spontaneous because you've caused it. And so you stick it in there. And then I lasered the needles in there and he completely got well and you say you mean scars can cause problems that's why we can never quit studying absolutely and all these scars that people have from from surgeries a lot of times the residual pains that they have are from these scars because the acupuncture system is embedded in the fascia the cranium is covering the cranial nerves and covering the cranium is called the dura mater. It goes all the way down, covers the whole spine, or down to the tailbone, and you need to apply them in the 5 terminality. And all of that area is a tough mother. That's what dura mater means. And above that's called the arachnoid mother and the pia mater. Three levels, and there's different fluids between them. But nobody studies that except a few chiropractors and osteopaths. And that's the miracle you get from some people sometimes. And you know the sugospinal flow is important because if they ever do a spinal tap on you, and they change that internal pressure you have horrible headaches for days until the body can balance it out but we learn how to feel it and how to correct it but believe me if anybody listen out there if you have scar tissue get to one of these doctors and let them laser it at least sometimes that helps a lot or maybe it needs acupuncture or maybe even protein in those areas along the way and, and there's too many miracles to even talk about by releasing scar tissue what else dr Worty?
0: You know, I think this would be a good time to get into fascia, Doc. Can we talk a little bit about the connective tissue matrix? You know, me and Nick are always touching on that in some of our podcasts, and you just talked about how important it is to address scars. But we do a lot of percussion, right, and we do a lot of organ manipulation and some of these other things. So can you talk a little bit to the importance of addressing that component?
2: Yeah. You know what's interesting? As you study the body, it's it's a lifetime study. I mean, you spend your whole life just studying the heart. How in the world it all fits together is amazing. And so when you look at the fascia, if you look at the fascia, it's this connective tissue that's really hard. The dura mater completely surrounds, as I said, up in the cranium, this dura is called the cranial dura, right? If it's covering the lung, it's called the pleura. If it covers the heart, it's called the pericardium. If it covers the down along the feet, you call the plantar fascia. That's all the same stuff. But it's continuous. It's like a wedding ring. The wedding ring goes all the way around the finger. There's no beginning and no end. And that's the way with the fascia. And this hard fascia is what holds the organ in place. There's even a greater momentum and a lesser momentum, which is the covering that surrounds the organs. And they're all held up and suspended, not only by muscles, but by this fascia. As I mentioned a second ago, I probably covered it so fast I kind of slipped over it, but it's the fact in the dura mater, it be, not only does it surround every organ and all the tissues of the body, but it, it feeds the energy field. It actually generates what we call the apical energy, and it feeds the whole area. And if you have one area of the fascia that's distorted, in the seminars I use Saran wrap. You envision Saran wrap here. If I took the Saran wrap that's say not here, and I just pull one corner of it, it distorts the whole Saran wrap. So, our job is to identify that and put it back where it belongs, and we use the percussion to do that. And I learned that from Robert Hopper, a cranial osteopath. Now, he, he, he was too old to be in, in uh, World War I and too young to be in World War II, where he had some kind of disqualification where he couldn't. So, he was treating people during the war. So, he learned what we call 10-finger osteopathy, where they used their hands to adjust the cranium and organs and stuff like that. Two-fingered osteopathy is where you just shoot shots, right? And what, it's just kind of a terminology that you get. Are you going to use drugs and pills, or are you going to treat the whole body by craniosacral and other visceral type of manipulation? And he was the ten-fingered osteopath for the manipulation. And the whole books written on him of the genius that he had with the percussor. Actually, Andrew Weil, maybe many of you heard of Andrew. He was a famous MD here. He's right still alive in the Arizona here. works at the University of Arizona, Tucson. And he'd heard about Dr. Fulford, who at that time practiced in Tucson. And so they did a study. And I, I don't want to say exactly, but it was something like 10 cases of children that had had failed ear surgeries. They had infection after infection. They put tubes in them. And they had infection again. and pushed the tubes out. So the only children that could qualify this test, they had at least three failed surgeries. And then Fulford had to bring him in. And he did nothing but percussion, which is like a jackhammer against the hard tissue like the cranium or a knee or a hip. And he would guide with his hands until he released that fascia. So if you have a scar from a cutting open or a trauma, that pliant, that, that this real pliable tissue, turns harder and rigid, especially on a, on a scar tissue or a fault line. It's just stuck there. So he could feel that, so he'd put the percussion on the area, and he percussed into it. And with the other hand, the listening hand, he would hold that area back to where he would exceed the amount of energy, speaking you know, of fixation, subluxation, or interference. It was interfering with the flow of the energy in the body, but he would percuss into the area until it exceeded the, let say it was 10 pounds of pressure holding it. He'd go to 10, 10 and a half, 11, and you just feel it unwind in there. And that's what Dr. Wardy and I do all day long. Oh, we throw it in a winder, and all of a sudden everything's moving again. The energy flows, the organs work better. And it's like a miracle. But I got that from him. Now, the strange part is, of all these children that he treated, none of them ever had another ear infection again. So, his philosophy was it's the distortion in the cranium and the gestation tubes would be twisted to where they would back the fluid back up and cause the infection. So by opening that area up, it can flow, no more infection. And it's. And I, I got to study under him. I was the only chiropractor he'd ever let train under him. And it was a, another osteopath, it was a good friend of mine, that we treated each other sometimes. And he, he got him to let me come in. He said, don't that chiropractor in here anymore. He's learning this stuff too quit. He was in really the old school. We thought chiropractors were retarded or something. I don't know. I know the osteopaths went through that. We went through that. We know it's a lot better now. Except we... I've created hundreds of MDs and families of MDs to where a lot of our recruits come from now. And we work in offices with MDs together. And uh, I know my, my surgeon's son always wants to just as soon as he gets over his brother his dad. So now I think chiropractic is accepted and, and uh, that's what we do with the percussor. But let's just say, if I stand up here a little bit, if everything goes on screen, let's say my liver lives right here and I feel it here on the right side, and it's and it's stuck, and the liver's not moving. Well, my goodness, the liver is a huge organ. It's the heaviest organ by weight in the body. The skin is the greatest by the surface area, but the liver's the heaviest by body, in the body. So if you get a liver that's stuck, I mean, it's just suspended there. What keeps it from falling down to your feet, right? Or at least your pelvis. It's ligaments holding up there, but they can get stuck in the fascia, The ceramic can get stuck. So we hold one side of the rib with one hand, ribcage, and the other we percuss in. You can never percuss the left because there's no liver over there. You don't want to crack the rib. You percuss on the right side, holding the left side back until you receive the amount of pressure from the infection or trauma that caused it and release that liver and it starts moving again. And when it starts moving, people feel better. You know, blood studies, you always measure the, the... SGPT, the SGOT, and find out how the liver is functioning, other, other things that you can get out there. Well, I'll tell you one. I know we're about to run out of time here, but I had a really, really cool miracle. This young girl was born with a lot of malformations in her body, and her liver did not function, so they gave her a liver transplant, and it failed, and she was literally dying. And they found one more liver. And they gave her a liver transplant, said, this doesn't work. We just want to be able to keep her alive. So I came in, and you can imagine scars on this person. So I lasered all the scars and, 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 and acupuncture, I did, acupuncture into the scar tissue. But then I took the percussion on the outside of the ribcage on the right while the other back. And then I just freed it up until I got that liver moving again. And the liver went on, continued to work. And, and she, I mean, never normal like that once they take it to it, But she was able to function and make that liver work again. So, even if somebody needs a liver transplant, they still need to work with somebody like us, so we can take care of the scar tissue, and make sure the organs are moving good, and, um, this is a teamwork effort, so medicine, chiropractic, naturopathy, massage, craniosacral, it's all one big happy team working together, and the patient, the patient has to do the work, we're just kind of like the teachers, the coaches. Mm-hmm.
0: Are we out of time doc? No, no, we still have a few minutes. Two minutes, minutes, yeah. minutes. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, I wanted to just Just, uh, just highlight some a couple things one if people are gonna go How do you know the liver's moving and what does that actually mean? So if we can talk about a little bit about that but that but in relation to that If when we start to see that everything is about movement and, and you mentioned this before if things aren't moving in your body cellular energy is not there life isn't there and so if you can talk about what it feels like for you as a practitioner to feel uh, an organ kind of maintain its movement or vibration or whatever that is, um, because I, I think that will that, well, be helpful for me too, but, uh, but helpful for people to understand what does that mean, get, getting the liver, for example, moving again.
2: Okay. well, A real easy example is breath. If you put your hands on the ribcage and you take a deep breath, it's actually the ribcage is moves. And if you breathe properly, so does the belly. So doing a full deep breath should be both belly breathing and rib breathing. So you can feel So that's the way for all of you to start. Just take a deep breath in fill those ribca- and the rib cage, and get bigger. Now to feel the organ motion, that takes some practice. And so what we do in our seminars is we blow up a balloon and we have them feel the balloon. And then we'll just kind of push the balloon and distort it because every organ in the body is moving microscopically. And it's a different palpation skill. You and I learned to feel vertebra move in motion, and we can feel them static where they feel out of place or fixated. But to feel the cranial sacral rhythm takes real subtle feeling energy. And so it's a different. It's a training course, and you just have to feel that subtle. And once you feel it, the oh my gosh, that's been all along. And Upledger was a surgeon, and he, and he was an osteopathic surgeon. So, they were taught about craniosacral motion motion rhythm because that's really where it started in the osteopathic field. In the old days, when D.D. Palmer and Andrew Tater Still were fight, fighting about where does life force really come from? Is it the nervous system? Is it the blood system? And the blood system was taught by, by uh, Andrew Tater Still, who was the father of osteopathy, and D- Daniel David Palmer said it was, it was the nervous system. So, they found that the blood moved, I mean, you can watch an artery, you can feel an artery, you can feel it So everything's in motion. If that artery didn't pulse, you're dead. You've got to have blood moving through there. I mean, when they diagnose you know somebody's dead, they go for the carotid artery. So there's no blood flowing, after a while, you know they're gone. Well, just like you can feel the carotid artery, if you put your hand over the liver, of the rib cage, on the right, and just feel real careful. Have them breathe in and out, and you'll feel the rib cage move. So, to, to do that, I guess, in the beginning, I just had to take somebody's work for it, because I certainly couldn't do it in the beginning, but my son that went on to be a chiropractor, worked in my office. First, as a massage therapist and a cranial sacral therapist. And in fact, I believe in child abuse. My kids all had to work in the office. By the time they could walk and talk, <laughs> they had have to, to, the carpet, they had to clothes, and then they had to clean the carpets. I mean, I put them right in the mix of it at, at all times, so they could see and feel and see the healing. and. Uh, even though only one wanted to be a DC, they said, Well, aren't you disappointed? the other? some want to be a surgeon, other than a dentist. I said, Of course not. You want your children to follow their dream, not your dream. My mm-hmm. dream for them was just what they're doing. They're helping lives in their way. But they saw the management, patients, and the flow, and the energy, and, and it's it's all part of it. So the way you treat a family is the way you treat your office family the way you treat your universal family and so all of my family they saw that their mother was as much into our work as otherwise so if you can see a family movement that's good just say that one child doesn't move at all they're bucking the whole system that doesn't work what does that look like when you feel the organs moving it's the same way you will just feel things moving and then you'll feel them kind of stuck so i can't teach you how to do that one day on on a, on a podcast well, we can certainly show you how to do that in, in a seminar setting, but in, in spinal, you guys know that when we learn to feel the spine, you would just palpate and you can feel one vertebra maybe to the side more, but was it deformed or was it out of place? That takes a little skill to do that. In motion palpation, you can feel a vertebra move and you can feel, wow, that was not moving at all. If you give a gentle thrust on it, oh, it starts to move. You can feel it. So it's the same way with the organs and the systems to monitor them there. When when we're checking like urine, blood, saliva, it's kind of the same thing. It's nothing static, but there should be a range of motion. SGOT and SGPT, you, more, you don't want one of 80, that's not good. But you don't want one of, of six either. So the ranges of the things that are produced are stay within a, a range that's healthy. And we have a, like a, a lot harder scale of what we think is healthy in a person because when you do regular blood tests, only a certain percentage can be out of range. Well, people get sicker and sicker, the range keeps spreading. So we, we do optimal, like we do blood tests on all the people that are healthy, and urine tests, and, and that type of thing, as well as motion. So it's a, it's a learning aspect, of, and that's why we have the seminar. In fact, I haven't been out on the road teaching it, and I'm going back this year, because we're not getting as many people really getting the feel hands-on. That we had in years past when I did forty four in one year, well, I'm going to do a couple not forty four, but I'm going to do three this next year. But we have other people training in do it too, so hopefully that gave you a little bit
0: of a clue of what you're talking about here.
1: Yeah, that's awesome! I can't wait to come.
0: Yeah, I was going to say we got We got to get. We're going to get Nick to homecoming next year.
1: Yeah. Well, too.
2: Well, let's get into the first uh, seminar. Is going to be the six steps to wellness seminar. Is it in March, right here? Oh, that's right.
0: um, We do have one coming up in March. You have another one, yeah. Oh, really? We're gonna have to get them out soon. Put in the calendar.
2: Know more about it. They can just go. It's really hard. I make everything hard. www.brimhall.com. B R I M H A L L. Brimhall. Brimhall Brimhall.com. And um, my email is the same, Doctor John at brimhall.com. So I keep everything very simple. Because I'm a simple person. It's all about energy and flow. And I don't want to spend all my time writing all these big .coms out there. But uh, <laughs> you can go to Grimhall.com. We have tons of free information on there. And we have DVDs. We have all kinds of training. We have podcasts, webinars where people can get for free and start listening to this. And uh, you can be put, if you're a layperson, you can be put on our email list and we send things out talking about different things, pieces of the puzzle. I write one for the doctor every week. It's called Dr. Brimwell's One More Piece of the Puzzle, talking about the health of the puzzle. And this week we'll talk about structure, next week about emotions, next week about spiritual guidance or whatever. It's just every week we're talking about doing great things. One
0: well, for our listeners, Dr. John is a wealth of knowledge and information. I'm still learning from this guy, and I've been immersed with him for at least, 10 to 12 no 10 to 11 of my years of practice have been around him and looking at his stuff so and he's always got more he's always learning and so he's always keeps keeping me on my toes for sure um, yeah,
2: like i told you you're one of my heroes so it's easy to share with you because i always look what you have coming back you're a super spiritual being and
0: thank pretty you handsome <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you man <laughs>
1: Oh, well, I love it. You know, every time we, we get a chance to talk to someone on the podcast, I, I take away so many nuggets. And and this is another example of that. I mean, we, we as young, younger, I know not so young anymore, men in, in the field of, uh, I'm not a doctor, obviously, David, and, and you are chiropractor doctors, but there's not a lot of real solid mentors in in the field. And definitely not, not for me when I was coming out of school, or I didn't know how to find them. And so, um, what you're speaking to is, is an elegance of being a doctor through living, you know, living your purpose and, and expecting miracles and living through that and teaching others how to patients and doctors alike to, to look for the same. And, you know, this is a type of guidance that, uh, it's not in most doctors, it's just not. And so the fact that you realize the importance of teaching this to other people is, is truly a gift for all of us, doctors and patients alike. and. Uh, you know, so everything you shared today, just, you know, it hit all the heartstrings and, and, and I'm sure it did for the patients and people listening too. So you're a, you're a wealth of information and I do, and I'm going to take you up on that offer and I'm going to be at one of those seminars because I, I do want to learn more from you. So thank you. Right. Never, never
2: end learning for sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. It's been
2: fun
0: dr john this was awesome and we're gonna to have to have you on again man there's just so much to talk about with you i felt like an hour is just not enough so we'll, we'll get you on again another time and we'll talk about some other good subjects
2: my dad led to be 90 so we got
0: another. <laughs> oh we've got you longer got- <laughs> than that man you're gonna be pushing over 100 i know it all right guys all right, God awesome. thank you man God bless.